Thank you for joining today's Accelerate Your Performance podcast. And thank you for having a desire to be your best at work and helping your organization achieve success. This podcast focuses on tactical actions to improve workplace culture. And these tactics align to our nine principles for organizational excellence. People tend to tell us they want feedback to improve themselves. But do they really want our feedback? As a reminder, here are two things we continue to consider about giving and receiving feedback. First, the way we provide feedback makes a difference in how people receive it. Our goal is to provide feedback to change behavior for the right reasons and to sustain that change. Then how best do we provide feedback to get this outcome? When receiving feedback, most people will comply with what we ask them to do but they aren't necessarily changing their behavior because they see value in the change. So the way we provide feedback makes a difference in how people receive and act on that feedback. This is today's topic. And second, when we are assessing other people's performance, it's very difficult to reliably assess someone, even when we have a performance guide to go by, for example. What we can assess is how much effort we have to put into a person to support them to achieve results. This is the topic of next week's episode. In episode 29, if you recall, I focused on how to work through our emotions when receiving feedback. If you've ever been on the receiving side of feedback, you know how difficult reading or listening to feedback can be. And circle back to that episode if you're struggling with how to work through your emotions when receiving feedback. There's so much to work through here and more to come down the road in future episodes. It's just really hard to hear feedback about our work or about ourselves. So today I'm going to focus on ways we can provide feedback to support people changing their behaviors to achieve excellence. This topic is always important and seems to be taking on a new level of intensity and focus on the work that I'm doing almost every week. We offer an organizational assessment for leaders to take to to get a pulse check on their organizational culture. And part of that assessment includes them identifying their professional development needs in organizations. Learning better ways to provide feedback usually rates as one of the top professional needs. Not unusual and not uncommon. On the Accelerate Your Performance podcast, you've probably recognized that there's a continuous focus on helping people get better in order to achieve excellence. Why? Because we can always get better at what we do as we strive for excellence. Also, as someone who's been an athlete and coach, it's simply part of my DNA as a leader to improve myself and create workplace environments where others get that same opportunity. Like playing sports, we experience some winning moves and some losing moves. Yet we don't really lose when we learn something in return. We study why we win, we study why we lose, and we open our minds to feedback to know what we can do to get better. When we do that, we focus our actions on excellence. As we learn best ways to provide feedback, we have to know why we are providing feedback in the first place. For example, if someone made a mistake and did something wrong, is out of compliance, or fails to live the organizational values, we give direct feedback to that person. Our best approach, remember from other episodes, is to provide direct feedback as quickly as possible to people in these situations. Why? 
and to give them an opportunity to change and to keep the negative behavior from having a long-term effect on the workplace environment. Most of the time, we provide feedback to our team members to help them excel. So what works in this case? Notice I didn't say improve here. Why? Because excellence is the outcome and improvement is the change in behavior people make to work toward excellence. We improve by changing our behaviors, getting us closer to excellence. Let's keep this in mind. Feedback is communication. Good communication occurs when we interact with others to achieve a positive outcome. And the outcome is achieving excellence. The actions we take to achieve excellence are the improvements we make. To achieve excellence, we have to get better and better at what we do. We get close to excellence as we improve. When we think we've achieved excellence, we tend to see excellence slip into a slow decline. We are our best when we are striving to excel. To create an excellent organization, we have to give feedback to others. That's just part of what we have to do. So let's dive a little deeper into how best to do that, to give feedback. And put yourself in two conversations I present. Reflect on which interaction you prefer. Here's the first conversation. Jenny, here's what you need to do when a customer tests your patience. Don't let your impatience show when you are on the phone. You know, use words that show empathy to the customer and explain why you are answering the way you do while having an empathetic voice. And here's conversation two. Jenny, I made some observations while you were on the phone with a customer. It's difficult to have patience when people continue to ask us the same question, wanting a, a different answer. I heard frustration in your voice when you were on the phone. Let's talk about ways to handle that conversation when it occurs. Gosh, I've lost my patience a time or two. I can share with you what I've learned. Maybe that'll be helpful to you. Most people tell me that they would be more likely to change their behavior when conversations go more like conversation two. What makes conversation two different than conversation one? First, the person providing feedback in the first conversation begins with a judgment statement. I'm telling you what you need to do. Therefore, the receiver could hear the first sentence as a criticism. The first sentence says, you are doing something wrong. Second, the person providing feedback in the first conversation then goes on and tells the person what she needs to do to change her behavior. So here's what we notice about conversation two. The person providing feedback starts without judging. Rather, the first statement focuses on observations made. And here's what I observed, not here's what's wrong. Then the person providing feedback acknowledged that the situation the person was dealing with, you know, it's difficult. Also, the provider showed empathy by saying, I've been in your shoes. Because having these same experiences, the person providing feedback offers to share some actions that worked for her. So when thinking about this topic, you know, I go back to my days as a student. We've all been a student, so we can reflect back on some of the times that we received feedback as a student. See if you've experienced something like this when you were in school. We all remember writing papers and getting feedback. The first thing I remember is getting a paper with so many red marks that I could barely see my writing. Most of the red marks highlighted the grammatical errors that I made. Now, let me be clear, the red marks were warranted. But here's the kicker. 
After years of red marks, I still struggle with grammatical rules. My behavior didn't change. Why? Because the teacher focused on what was wrong rather than help me change my behavior. The communication outcome was judgment rather than excellence. Using correct grammar was difficult for me to learn. The type of feedback made me feel I was simply terrible at grammar. It still sticks with me today. As clear as day, I see the little white grammar book that followed me from class to class, year after year. What did teachers tell me to do to improve? I turned to page X to follow how to diagram sentences. I don't know about you, but learning how to diagram sentences was as difficult as knowing the rule, and it took a lot more effort. I continue to ask for help with grammar. I send most things I write to someone else to review. Dr. Theresa Vernetson is one of my best professional friends. She's been a great friend for many years. She's a great editor. As she edits my writing, she also teaches me in a positive way. She puts these side notes in the track changes to guide me on why she recommends a change. At times, she starts with something like this. I may be wrong, but I think you are trying to say this. If so, here's a possible recommendation. And I accept them with open arms. Also, by giving me this feedback, she makes me think and change my behavior. I really learned grammar by watching what Theresa does as she edits my writing in a, in a very favorable way. I can also learn as, as I watch. And as she knows, I struggle with dangling participles. You know, I think faster than I write, so things just tend to dangle. And if I think too much, I get more focused on where to put a comma than communicating what I'm trying to say. You know, commas are maddening, aren't they? The other day, I listened to two people talk about commas before the word and, and when you're listing three things. And both cor are correct, of course. Someone's preference there influences their feedback in this case. What's my point when thinking about providing feedback? Grammar can be difficult and confusing for students. Rather than making red marks on papers, what if teachers provide feedback to students in ways that help them excel in grammar? The outcome is grammar excellence, master writing using appropriate grammar. With this outcome in mind, teachers may choose to provide feedback in a way that Dr. Vernetson provides to me. We can learn a lot about feedback when we think about how we receive feedback as students. The way feedback is provided affects if we learn, you know, or not. True learning occurs when we change our behavior and that behavior change is sustained over time. Join us in New Orleans this September to explore leadership at all levels of higher education. Leaders across campuses share how they gained the leading edge in service to students and built a great place to work attitude among employees. Learn how colleges and universities are leading excellence every day to become institutions of choice for students at Destination High Performance on September 10th and 11th. Topics include building ownership among employees, developing an improvement mindset, and leading cultural transformation. For more information or to register, please visit studereducation.com slash events. So let's go back to the question I asked at the beginning of this episode. As human beings, we want to learn. People tend to tell us they want feedback to improve themselves, but do they really want our feedback? I believe people when they say they want feedback because I believe most people want to learn how to get better. They want to achieve excellence. 
Do people want direct and frank feedback? Many times I hear a positive response to this question, but do they really want it in a frank and direct way? So here's where we have to be cautious. Giving feedback is a subjective judgment by the person giving the feedback. When people judge others, they do so from their own viewpoints and experiences, which may or may not be what is best for someone to hear. As human beings, few of us respond well to someone telling us what to do or how to fix ourselves. We tend to respond well when people communicate by focusing on observations made, learnings from past mistakes, and suggestions from their experiences that could help others get better. As we focus on tactics and tools aligned to the nine principles for organizational excellence, we use the phrase keywords at key times. This past spring, I read an article in the Harvard Business Review that helped me connect keywords at key times to providing feedback. The article, called The Fallacy of Feedback, is written by Marcus Buckingham and Ashley Goodall. I've read the article several times. It made me think deeply about best practices for giving feedback that helps people achieve excellence. In the article, the authors included a chart that has one column of phrases associated with common practices for providing feedback. The second column recommends how to reshape the way we provide feedback to others. For example, we tend to say, good job. Instead, let's say, that's right, what you did right there. What was going through your mind when you did that? We tend to say, that didn't work. Instead, let's say, when you did that, I felt this way. It didn't feel right to me. We tend to say, you need to improve your communication skills. Instead, let's say, here's exactly where you started to lose me. We tend to say, you're non-responsive. Instead, let's say, when I don't hear from you, I worry that we are not on the same page. From these examples, we can see that words make a difference to the way feedback is received If our intent is to communicate with someone to help them achieve excellence, we need to ensure we use words that help us achieve that outcome. Sometimes people make mistakes or are doing things that have a negative effect on the workplace environments. At those times, we have to be direct yet professional. At other times, we are helping team members continue to advance their skills and achieve excellence on a project or a piece of work. The words we choose to communicate and the way we deliver the message determine how positive our interactions are. The key words we use help us build relationships with others and establish trust in our workplace. Let's do two things this week. First, think of a time when you gave feedback and you didn't choose the best way to message that feedback. Why did you give feedback in that way? Did it get the outcome you wanted? If you were to give feedback again, How might you phrase it differently to focus on actions leading to excellence? And two, think of a time when you received feedback and it didn't feel so good. How did someone message the feedback? How did that message make you feel? How do you wish someone would provide feedback to you? If that occurred, would you take that feedback and improve to achieve excellence? Now take that situation that didn't feel good and use some of the key words that we've talked about to write a different message to yourself. And then ask yourself, what would that have felt like? 
We all give feedback in our professional and personal lives. Taking time to choose the right words to achieve a positive outcome it can influence how happy we are at work and, and in life. Happiness depends on the level of trust we have with each other, and trust is developed by the way we interact with each other. Let's leave this week committing to three actions we learned from this episode and several others. Choose keywords to get to a positive outcome. Lead our conversations with empathy and pay ridiculous attention to others. Let's make choosing keywords to get to a positive outcome part of our daily work. It's not something we naturally do. We've got to work on it to make it become more natural for us to do. Thank you for tuning in to Accelerate Your Performance. I look forward to connecting with you on our next episode where we will focus on what to consider when providing feedback when we judge people's performance. Have a great week.